reading from verses 1 to 10. Here the Apostle writes, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and everyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But of those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God bless to us that reading of his holy word. Have my slides, please. There were two brothers who made lots of money from being a couple of cowboy builders. They took on big jobs and never fully completed them. And they made a fortune from using cheap materials and cutting dangerous corners. They were immoral, but very clever too, and so they never got caught. However, one of the people they never managed to fool in the local town was their vicar. He knew exactly what was going on and the type of builders they were, even if he never said so publicly. Then suddenly one of the brothers died, and the vicar was asked by the family to conduct the funeral. And during the funeral visit, the surviving brother took out a checkbook and said to the priest, Now, vicar, I know you, the church has always been short of money, and I know how much you need to replace the church roof like, but so here's my check for twice that amount on one condition. But at my brother's funeral, you must say that he was a saint. And so the vicar promised he would do so, and he banked the cheque and began to rebuild the roof of the church. And on the day of the funeral, to everyone's surprise, that vicar really let rip at the funeral. He stood up and said, You know what this man was like. He was a liar. He was a cheat. He was a cowboy builder. He never did an honest deal in his entire life. Mind you, he went on, Compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> Building a house is a very specialised profession 
and we can all perhaps relate to stories when that profession hasn't been honoured by people who are unscrupulous or who cut dangerous corners. I went online for a while and um, found some very interesting examples of cowboy building. For example, you've got stairs going nowhere. That's a great emergency exit, isn't it, really? You come out and where do you go? Not very far. Stairs going nowhere. Stairs with no function or stairs for the disabled people, but um, not exactly a disabled person's ex- uh, entrance. Then you've got health and safety. This is one that John will love. Health and safety problems. How about that for a way into a, into a building? Or that for an emergency exit? Or that for a veranda? Yes, yeah, so thin people only welcome up and down this staircase. And that's the most bizarre garage I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and this will really cheer people up who have problems about the, the facilities to use when you need to go for a loo when you're caught short. To go or not to go. <laughs> that doesn't understand the psyche of men, trust me. That doesn't understand the psyche of women. And that is just ridiculous. And that is my, that is my very real nightmare. Cowboy builders. Today we'll begin in a series looking at what it means to be a Baptist church. How do we build a Baptist church? Who are we as Baptists? And the first thing we're going to look at is how we build that Baptist church. And different churches, or what are called denominations, have different ways of understanding what the Bible is and what it means to be church. And as Baptists, one of our key documents is called the Declaration of Principle. And I hope this is warming David Harper's heart as we come to just discuss just one facet of the Declaration of Principle. And this was a declaration that was formed in 1873 and has been revised over the years that actually describes the key principles that hold us together as Baptists. Three key principles, really. One about authority, one about baptism, and one about mission. They're all based upon the Great Commission of Jesus in, in, uh, in um, Matthew 28. The three principles of authority, baptism, and mission. They're key to who we are as Baptists. And the very first principle of the uh, Declaration of Principle is this, that our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, is the sole and absolute authority in all matters pertaining to faith and practice, as revealed in the Holy Scriptures, and that each church has liberty under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to interpret and administer laws. This is key because it says that we're part of a big union, but we remain our independence. We have a responsibility as a congregation, as a gathering of Christians, to hear God speak. And we do this through services like this, for our worship, for our house groups, and other times we as a church get together. And of course we do it when we're seeking to know what God wants us to do in our church meetings. In one sense, every aspect of our being is doing business. We're trying to hear God and relate to what he's doing in our lives. And that's key to who we are. So we don't have, we don't have the bishops that tell us what we should do. Okay, we try and hear what God is saying to us in our local context. 
And that's very important. So we're linked together through a union, but we're independent and we guard that independence. One of the great things about the Baptist church is we're very varied. You have different churches in different parts of the countries that can have quite different views, but we're united by our union and we seek to follow Christ and be drilled to him and authentic to him in our local area. That's very, very important. So we gather to hear what God is trying to say to us. And that's true of all our services. It's true of here. I hope when you come here on a Sunday and you read scripture, you're saying, God, speak to me. When you hear the sermon, you're saying, God, speak to me. When, I, when ministers prepare sermons, when church leaders, we're seeking God and saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Give me a word for church this coming Sunday. And what's remarkable is when you're at the front of the church and people go out and say, Cole, that was a word just for me today. And you thank God for that because you may have not known that person's situations but the Holy Spirit does and he applies his word to people's heart. But we have to be open and willing to listen to what he's trying to say. You see, we fundamentally believe as Baptists that the church is not a building. It is not this physical building. This wonderful building. I've always loved this building. When I first started coming to Eld Lane as a young, uh, uh, a young chaplain in 2000, I walked through the doors and thought, what a wonderful building God has given you here in, in Colchester Baptist Church. It's light, it's bright. I don't support West Ham, but it has West Ham colours in the ceiling. You know, it's beautiful. It's a lovely, airy place. And you've got so many rooms around, from the, church, from the youth lounge to the church lounge, this church is used because of the facilities that God has given you. But it's not this building that makes the church or makes Colchester Baptist Church. You are Colchester Baptist Church. You as people. You are the church. When you leave this church, this church is just a building. It's, it's a misnomer almost. And it's, it's sad in one sense that we actually now call our buildings churches because actually they're not churches. When the people leave the church, the church has gone and this is just a building. That's what we believe as Baptists. What's going to happen when we go to heaven? Do you think we have to take all the bricks and mortar of this building and take it up to heaven because we need to take the church with us? No! When we go to heaven, we are the church. This building will have served its purpose. Great as this building is, it's not the church. You are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what the words mean in, in Greek. The Greek word ecclesia, okay, it means literally a gathering or an assembly. What was interesting in, in Greece, when the people needed to be called together, there was no internet, no smartphones, okay, there was no TV or radio, so when the, when the king or when, people, when, the, when the local civic leaders wanted to speak to their people, they sent out heralds. And the heralds would go out and would shout through all the streets and call people to the forum, the centre of the town or the centre of the city, to call people to be there at a certain time. And when the people got together at that forum in the centre of town, that was ecclesia. That was an assembly. That was a church. It wasn't worshipping Jesus in those days, but it was people gathering together to listen. And that's what church means. It means a gathering and an assembly. It means the same in Hebrew, synagogue. Synagogue literally means in Hebrew an assembly. You see, church is always dynamic. When we make it boring, we make it about a building or about things that are fixed and unable to move. But God wants it about his people because you are precious to God. He loves you. 
He's excited about you and about what you can do in this town and what you can do where God has placed you. You are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you go to your places of work or go to where you live and go away on holiday, you go there representing the Lord Jesus Christ as part of his church here in Colchester. You are the church of Jesus. And this is the place in which we meet. You'll find this actually, but many years, centuries ago, we used to refer to a lot of our churches the buildings as meeting rooms or meeting houses and not as churches. Elsewhere in in America, the Baptist churches still refer to themselves as meeting houses and not churches because they're just a building. The important thing isn't a building. The important thing is you as the people of God. You as the people God has called. And up at the top of, uh, uh, in, in, in Colchester, just next to Jumbo, okay, you will find this house, this Quaker meeting house, up right next to Jumbo, at the top of, what's the top of the, the, the hill? What, North Hill, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the top. You can go and see, but it's still called a Quaker meeting house. It's where the Quakers meet. And this building is where the Baptist church meets. When you and I get together, we are the church in this building, in this meeting house. This is important. The important principle is found in Matthew, where Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there am I. There am I. With his people. It doesn't have to be in a special building. It's where people get together in the name of the Lord Jesus. Which is why the early church, a lot of the times the church met in people's homes. It wasn't actually in a formal building because they couldn't afford it. It's why around the country we have churches meeting in schools sometimes. The important thing is you and I as part of the body of the Lord Jesus, as part of the church. The church is exciting because it's people. Bruce Milne, Professor Bruce Milne said this, the church is essentially the living community of those who have responded to the call of God. Like that herald who went around summoning people to come to hear the news. You have been summoned by the Lord Jesus Christ and you gather to do his business, to do his will and to be his people in this world. But even, and even when the Bible does refer to the church being a building, it is in a dynamic way. And we find this in 1 Peter. And we're told here, first of all, that the house of the Lord is... I spelt that wrong, sorry. My, my spell joke is in better. It's a sentient house. It's a house that thinks a house that is alive, not a sentient house like that. A sentient house. If, as you come to him, the living stone, you also are like living stones says Peter you are like living stones the expression as you come to him is a lovely phrase it refers to getting up close and personal to someone someone who's trying to achieve intimacy it's the kind of thing you do as a young person when you're getting to know your new boy or girlfriend remember those, those times when you, you first got to know someone you got introduced and you walk along the street and your hands brush each other and perhaps then suddenly you touch and you hold hands and you think it's the most great thing in the world and then you go to the cinema and you, you sit there and you kind of stretch yourself oh, and put your arm around it and it kind of stays there and doesn't come back remember those days I, mean, I think some of those days are gone sadly with some of our young people but, but I mean it was wonderful because you were seeking to get close to that person. And then the first kiss, oh, well, the first kiss was wonderful. 
Um, and of course, so it goes on. You're seeking to become intimate, to get to know them. And this is what this expression means. As you come to him, you're seeking to get to know the Lord. You're getting close to him. You're hungering after him, hungering after that relationship. You're wanting to get to know him better and deeper. In other words, to become part of the church, we need to draw close. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't suddenly wake up one morning and you're part of the church. It doesn't happen, as I've told you many times, because you're born in Britain, a so-called Christian country. It doesn't happen because you're born of Christian parents. It's when you come to him, when you want to come to him, when you draw close to God, you draw close to Jesus, that's when you become part of the church. You need yourself to say, yes, I believe in you. Yes, I want to follow you, Lord. Yes, I believe your word is true. Forgive me for the wrong in my life. You see, with God and Jesus, it's always personal. He's a personal God, a personal saviour. He calls you by name. He doesn't say church. He calls you by your name. You're precious to him. He wants you to follow him personally. What does, what does Peter say here? He says, once you were not a people but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We belong because we draw near and Jesus unites us to himself and makes us the church. So Paul writes to the church in Ephesus this. He says, remember that that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If we draw near to Jesus, he draws near to us. And we become part of his church, part of his body, part of his family, his people. The church is a building in the sense that it's connected to Jesus. But he is always a living entity, is never a block of stone. Jesus is the living stone. Paul, Peter writes this, he says, as you come to him, the living stone. He is the living stone. And we are stones of his church, built upon Jesus, because he is our foundation. That's what we believe as Baptists. He is our foundation. He is our authority. What we hear along about the Declaration of Principle, that our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ is the sole and absolute authority in all matters pertaining to faith and practice as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. It's never about an abstract religion of just simply going home and meditating, of simply saying a few incantations and thinking that's good enough. Being a, a Christian, being a Baptist Christian especially, is about saying, Lord, you are in control. I follow you. I need to hear you. I need to understand you from the Bible. I need to grow into understanding what you want for me and my family. It's about a relationship. It is dynamic. Because we're founded on Christ. And Peter quotes from the Old Testament in verse 6. He says this, For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen as precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. He's quoting here from Isaiah chapter 28, something that's elsewhere quoted by Paul in Romans chapter 9. 
Jesus is the foundation. He is the, the rock upon which we build our lives. On which we build our lives and make all our important decisions. When you're thinking about a new job, do you take that to the Lord and say, Lord, where would you have me? When you think about who you choose as a partner, you're looking for a new boy or girlfriend, do you say to God, Father, guide me. Give me, lead me to the person that you would have for me as a partner. We should make sure that all our lives and decision is based upon our foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I ended up as a Baptist minister. I didn't want to be a Baptist minister. That wasn't my vision when I was growing up as a young boy. I wanted to be a pilot. Later on, I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. I wanted to go and do daring things in the world. I had no idea I'd become a sky pilot, a Christian. I had no idea, no intention, I'd become a minister of a church. That wasn't my dream. I used to read Victor Comic. You remember Victor Comic? You know, and Commando Comics and all those kind of things. Oh, I, I, I had my, map, my life mapped out. If God allowed me to, to do what I wanted to do, it would have been a disaster. And God called me because as a young Baptist Christian... I put my life and said, Father, what do you want me to do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me be? And God said, I want you to become a minister. And so I trained for ministry. And that was confirmed by the church. And then later on, by, well, by friends and family. And then by colleges and what have you. And then by a call to ministry. And then eventually God said, I want you to go in the army. And I said, why? I, came here for, I served in the Royal Air Force. Send me to the Royal Air Force. Don't send me to the army. I understand the Royal Air Force. I don't understand the army. But God said, no, I want you in the army. So I went to the army for 21 years. And then from here in Colchester in 2003, I went to war. That wasn't my plan. That was the most horrible experience of my life in, in one sense. But God blessed that and used that. Because I was listening to him and saying, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me be? Because I was trying to build my life on him as my foundation. He is the foundation of our lives. Peter, this is very pertinent to Peter, very poignant to Peter, because Peter's name, Petros, means in Greek, the rock. He is the rock. And what happened to Peter was he was up in, um, up in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus asked the question, what do people say about me? And Peter told Jesus all the kind of things that people were saying about him. He's a prophet, he's a good man, he's a teacher. And then, Peter, and then Jesus turns to Peter and says, what about you, Simon Peter? What do you say about me? And this is what we read in Matthew 16. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Notice his name, Simon. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, but you are Peter, Petros. And on this rock, Petros, I will build my church. Jesus is saying, I tell you, but you are rock, and on this rock, I will build my church. You are Petros, and on this Petros, I will build my church. Jesus was taking the weak, the, the um, lovable, but the ever person who jumped in with both feet and then sank, Peter, he took him and made him into a solid person, a dependable person, upon which he could trust church leadership. He becomes the leader of the early church and helps to build the early church to the glory of God. Peter was Simon. Jesus made Simon Peter. He made him a rock. 
This is what it was happening here. Isaiah 28, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a testing stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. Peter based the church upon the Lord Jesus Christ as Peter based his own life upon the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus is the sure foundation for every believer. He is the authority, the guiding principle. He is the one on whom we, we build our lives. You know, one of the greatest myths of the Christian church is that you can be a solitary disciple. And I was trying to tell that to the young people earlier on. I hear people say, to, say this to me, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, that's very true. In one sense, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. The thief on the cross became a Christian when he believed in the Lord Jesus. He didn't go to church. But to be part of church, you have to be part of church. A solitary Christian is not a church. A solitary Christian is a solitary Christian. A single brick is not a church. It is a single brick. And until that brick joins with other bricks and allows itself to be built in something beautiful, it still remains a single brick. Christians who tell me, we don't need the church, don't understand Jesus Christ. Because how can a brick serve any purpose unless it's built on a foundation and that foundation is Jesus and be united with other bricks to make a building? A brick that's not united to any other bricks is just a brick. If I was to get a brick and say, look at my house, people would laugh at me. They'd say, that's not a house. That's not a building, that's just a brick. Cole, get a grip. We cannot be solitary Christians. The writer of the Hebrew says this, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We meet together to spur each other on. We meet together to encourage each other. We meet together to be a blessing to each other. That's why Peter says, you like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. But a house is not just one brick. We gather to provide shelter and one brick cannot provide shelter. I was out down in Frinton yesterday on my motorbike with my brother to, 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 to take part in the men's breakfast there and it was very, very windy. I, and I, I could have gone down by the sea and I could have got a brick and put it there. I couldn't shelter behind that brick. An ant may have done. Well, I can't shelter behind a brick. What shelter can a brick provide for me? And what support can a brick, a single brick, be? We need many bricks to provide support for each other. We make something bigger and something better than ourselves and a single brick cannot do that. In other words, folks, we need each other. You are the church of Jesus Christ and we need to gather together to be together so he can make us into something special and something better than ourselves. Something strong and rock-like that others can depend upon and be built into. Something beautiful that we can never be by ourselves. We need each other because we're not just a sentient house, we are a spiritual house. A spiritual house. Peter says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. This can also mean in the Greek, not just a spiritual house, but a spiritual temple, or a temple of the Spirit. You see, our God is Spirit. God is Spirit. Jesus tells us this in John 4.22. God is Spirit. And when God, the Spirit, made us, he made us spirits. 
That's one of the unique facets of us as human beings. Animals don't have spirits, human beings do. We are body, soul and spirit. May your whole spirit, says Paul, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are part spirit. And that is our spiritual connection. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the word of the Lord is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. We are spirits, that part of us, that spiritual part of us, that connects to God as spirit. That's how we come to know God. And people who don't know God, that spiritual part of them is dead in them. And it needs to be made alive in Christ. And so we worship God in spirit. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in, in the spirit and in truth, says Jesus. We read Psalms, we see this time and time again. We're to give spiritual sacrifices of worship, contrition, prayer, praise and thanksgiving are all seen in the Psalms as being examples of spiritual worship and spiritual sacrifice. And what does, Paul, uh, what does Peter here say? He says this in verse 2, he says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow. Like newborn babies. And the Psalms speak continually about our spiritual worship. Psalm 50, sacrifice, thank, offerings to God. Psalm 51, my sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Psalm 107, let the sacrifice thank offerings, uh, let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Psalm 141, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Romans 12, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're spiritual beings, and our spirit is an essential part of our humanity, and it's the way that God made us so that we may know him and experience God. We have been built into a spiritual house, a spiritual temple. Isn't that an exciting place to be? Isn't that an exciting vision of what the church is? That we are spiritual, that we are beings that can influence the world, that this church is active and that we are living stones. It's not a dead and dusty old building. But there's always a question of our wanting to be part and growing in that. Paul, Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. My youngest son today is 28 years old. 20, I can't believe it, 28 years old. But there was a day when he was like a newborn baby, literally. And when Wesley cried, that would bring down houses, that cry. And you could not sleep through that cry. And when he cried for milk, the very foundations of our home shook and you had to get up, no matter what time it was, even if you'd been up half an hour beforehand, you got up because that little baby told you he was craving pure milk. And when we're Christians and we're craving pure milk, we will not stop scratch shouting and screaming until we are fed. Peter is saying here, not that you are newborn babies, he doesn't say that. He says, Crave pure, pure spiritual milk like newborn babies. 
why you want to get fed and, get, and be weaned as older Christians, you need to have that spiritual hunger that you had when you were a young child in Christ. Never let that hunger go. Never let that energy leave your spiritual life. You like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. And that final role of the house is to be a serving house. Normally, once laid, stones and bricks are passive in their role in construction of a house and they simply remain in place. And their role is not to crack up under pressure, but to be strong. Not so with this building, because we are living stones. We are to be active in the role of this building, this spiritual house. So Peter tells us this in verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priest of the holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, we're not just to be the spiritual temple. We're also to have the very work of priests in that temple. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Note that Peter, who's the head of the early church, is not speaking here to the elders. He's not speaking here to the Christian elite. He's not speaking here to the ordained. He's speaking here to the church. He's saying that you are priests. One of the key principles of being a Baptist is we believe in the priesthood of all believers. All believers. You are all priests. Terry and I are not priests. We are simply ministers. Pastors called to serve in the church and to serve God's people. We don't wear funny clothes on here on Sunday. Well, we may think the way I dress is funny, but we don't tend to wear funny clothes, do we? We don't dress ourselves up as mother and call ourselves father, do we? We don't wear that kind of... Because we are nothing more than a church member like you. We're part of the church. We're called to lead, but we're not priests. You and we are priests together. We believe in the priesthood <coughs> of all believers. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Because we're all called to service. And all the work of this church during the week is called to serve the living God. Whether it be bright sparks, whether it be mickable amblers, we're called to serve and seek opportunities in which to bring people into this church so others too may taste and see that the Lord is good. If you thought you are paying Terry and I to do the work of, of the gospel for you, you're wrong. You've got it wrong, I'm afraid. That's not our job. We are all priests and we're all at work to glorify and to build this church here in Colchester. So we can minister into each other's lives. The Christian church is not a limiting organisation. It should be enabling and empowering others to come and to know the Lord Jesus. Because you and I are priests together called to serve. So don't see church as being this building, this meeting house in which we meet. See church as yourselves. You are the church of Jesus. God has put you here as living stones to make a difference, to build the kingdom of God here in Colchester. And each one of you has got a part to play. You have a part to play of encouraging and blessing and supporting and being joined one with the other, serving God to bring glory to his son Jesus. Praise be to his name. Let's, as the those who are serving come up to the front. Let's
remain seated and sing together a lovely chorus. It is as we are